When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is voting for Jack Cause he's got what all the rest lack Everyone wants to back Jack Jack is on the right track Cause he's got Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison, and it is so good to be back. I took a little week off, and I am glad to be back here talking to you guys again. So um, hope you guys had a good week last week or having a good one this week. And yeah, let's get started learning a little bit more about the Kennedys. So I'm going to start with the question segment. Therefore, an answer to your question. Now, these questions I... These two, I get them a lot, and I think I've already maybe answered them in a previous episode, but I still keep getting them a lot. So I'm going to answer again just in case we got new listeners that want to know and whatnot. So the first one is, do you think Jack Schlossberg, I don't think I will ever get that last name pronounced properly. I am so sorry to anyone that I offend with the pronunciation of that last name. But anyway, uh, moving on. Do you think that he will run for office? As I said, I get this a lot. I do know that he is very well educated, currently in law school. um, And that's kind of a path that a lot of the Kennedys take. I could definitely see him running in the future. I kind of hope so. I think it'd be entertaining. I don't know, you know, anything about his views past what he shares on Instagram or anything like that. I I don't know, but I think it'd be entertaining to see uh, JFK's grandchild run for anything. So I'm here for it and I hope it happens. Another one I get all the time, favorite Kennedy grandchild, like the modern generation, like, you know, the Jack, Slosberg, Rose, Tatiana, you know, all the Shrivers, all of them. I have two because Jack is really entertaining to me, and I think he's probably funny and whatnot on Instagram. But I think my favorite is Katherine Schwarzenegger Pratt. I think that she gives off a real ray of positivity. She really carries that on from what her mother does. And, you know, her grandmother obviously is Eunice, and they've just always been about empowering and inspiring and positivity and all the things. And I think that she, Katherine, is a beacon of that. And I really enjoy watching everything that she does and uses her platform for so much good. So she is probably my favorite one to watch what she's doing okay moving on to the in the news segment big news story of the past seven days so we had a good one this week i was pretty excited when i saw this come across my feed and i was like oh my gosh that's gotta make it in the podcast so carol radswell which is the widow of kennedy cousin anthony radswell former Real Housewives of New York. I'm a big fan of all the Real Housewives. Kind of my guilty pleasure. I watch almost all of them, and I've always loved Carol. So she spoke out and made headlines after the Meghan and Harry interview with Oprah by tweeting. She said, I just watched the MNH sit down. Wow, I love how people say Meghan knew what she was getting into. People said the same thing about Carolyn Bissett when she married into the Kennedy family. You could never know. Meghan said it right. The perception is nothing like the reality. Then she continued with another tweet saying, I'll always be on the opposite side of the perpetuating, willfully or not, misogynistic and perhaps, in this case, racist narrative tropes about women marrying into powerful, controlling families. Like, wow. So, 
I kind of loved that she spoke out after the interview and gave her take on how, you know, there are some similarities there and how she could see and believe what Megan was saying. So also just to reiterate, Carol was best friends with Carolyn and JFK Jr. in the 90s because he was so close to Anthony throughout their lives. Okay, moving on to a few really exciting announcements about the old podcast here. So starting next week, you'll be able to watch the podcast on YouTube. Did you guys know podcasts are on YouTube? I think I'm literally so behind in knowing this, but when I Googled it, it's a thing. People watch podcasts all the time. So we're going to be on YouTube. We're working by where I mean, like, me and my husband, are working out the video aspect this week, and it'll be ready to go for the next episode. So if an audio format isn't necessarily your style, then you can check out and subscribe to my YouTube channel. That feels weird to say. I never thought I would say subscribe to my YouTube channel, but here we are. Um, So subscribe to my YouTube channel, Kennedy Dynasty Podcast, and watch me recording the podcast, basically. So there'll be fun graphics to go along with the segments and the video, and it's more of like a visual learning experience if that's your preferred way to learn. Or you could do, this is an idea, you could listen, and then go watch the video. So then you get to hear it all twice, right? (laughs) Is that a good idea? Anyway, whatever works best for you. Along with that, I'm adding a new weekly segment, so excited, where I will share an inspiring clip from one of the Kennedy family members' speeches every week. One of the inspiring notes. So today's is a clip of President Kennedy talking about Peace. It was delivered at AU's 49th commencement on June 10th, 1963. I realize the pursuit of peace is not as dramatic as the pursuit of war, and frequently the words of the pursuers fall on deaf ears, but we have no more urgent task. Some say that it is useless to speak of peace or world law or world disarmament, and that it will be useless until the leaders of the Soviet Union adopt a more enlightened attitude. I hope they do. I believe we can help them do it. But I also believe that we must re-examine our own attitudes as individuals and as a nation, for our attitude is as essential as theirs. And every graduate of this school, every thoughtful citizen, who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace, towards the Soviet Union, towards the course of the Cold War, and towards freedom and peace here at home. First, examine our attitude towards peace itself. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. And man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. I am not referring to the absolute, infinite concept of universal peace and goodwill of which some fantasies and fanatics dream. I do not deny the value of hopes and dreams, but we merely invite discouragement, 
and incredulity by making that our only and immediate goal. Let us focus instead on a more practical, more attainable peace, based not on a sudden revolution in human nature, but on a gradual evolution in human institutions, on a series of concrete actions and effective agreements, which are in the interests of all concerned. There is no single simple key to this peace, no grand or magic formula to be adopted by one or two powers. Genuine peace must be the product of many nations, the sum of many acts. It must be dynamic, not static, changing to meet the challenge of each new generation. For peace is a process, a way of solving problems. All right, now that we're through all of that, let's get to the episode. Today, I'm going to talk about Kathleen, which was nicknamed Kick Kennedy, and share a bit about her life. So my sources today are the Smithsonian, JFK Library, Irish Central, and of course, Wikipedia for some dates and locations. Here we go. Kick was the fourth child born to Rose and Joe Sr., and she was born in Brookline, Massachusetts on February 20th, 1920. So if you're like me, you're wondering, where did that very unique nickname come from? And apparently, she was nicknamed Kick because of her, in quotes, irrepressible nature. So out of all the siblings, JFK and Kick were the closest. They were great friends, and got, they just got along so well. So as for school, she went to Riverdale County School in the Bronx in New York after moving with her family to New York in 1927. And then she went to Norriton Convent of the Sacred Heart in Norriton, Connecticut, and then she spent a year studying abroad and went to the Holy Child Covenant in Newly, France. So obviously, given the time, she wasn't expected to go into politics or anything like that like her brothers were, but the Kennedy girls were still held at their parents' incredibly high standards. So Kick was given an incredible education and awesome opportunities throughout her life, and her father really favored her a lot, too. She kind of ranked up on his list of favorite kids with her brothers, Joe and Jack. So according to the JFK Library, shortly after finishing school, Kathleen Kennedy sailed to England with her family, where her father was appointed ambassador to Great Britain in 1938. There, she made her formal entrance as a debutante on May 12, 1938, and during her time in England, she worked on various committees for social events. So while she was there, she met a shy man named William Cavendish, which she called him Billy. He was Marquess of Harrington and was eventually going to become the Duke of Devonshire, and the two of them fell in love. So here's a clip of modern Kit Kennedy, which is her niece, namesake, and the daughter of RFK Jr. talking about them. There was an instant attraction. Which is interesting because they weren't each other's types. Billy was not like the American jocks that Kick usually dated. He was quiet and he was shy and he didn't run after girls. But in 1939, when Germany invaded Poland, Joe Kennedy sent the entire family back to America and obviously, being in love, Kick did not like this. She was 19 at the time, so she pled and begged to stay, but Joe Sr. said no. So here's modern Kick talking about this. She fought with her father for two weeks, endlessly begging him to let her stay. The boys in London were heading into service, and her girlfriends were volunteering to work in factories, and I think Kick wanted to do her share. Then, the library says that Kathleen returned to the United States with her mother and siblings in the fall of 1939 after Great Britain declared war. 
She briefly attended the Finch School in New York and later Florida Commercial College. And while in college, Kathleen Kennedy began volunteering for the Red Cross in New York in the summer of 1940. She planned benefit luncheons and fashion shows for the Allied Relief Fund to aid British seamen disabled in the war. And then Kick decided to leave school in 1941 to begin working for the Times-Herald newspaper in Washington, D.C. She was a research assistant for Frank Waldrop, the executive editor of the newspaper. She also assisted with reporter Inga Arvad and her column, Did You Happen to See?, which profiled government officials. Side note, we will definitely talk more about Inga in the future because she was romantically involved with JFK for a while. So Kathleen was eventually promoted to reviewing plays and movies in her own bylined column and took over Miss Arvad's column when she left the newspaper. A lot of that was quoted from JFK Library. Again, want to reiterate that. Guys, I am so excited to share with you a company that I've teamed up with and I know you'll really love. History Hoard lets you experience the past firsthand by bringing you genuine small relics from history. Serving in World War II is such a huge part of JFK's story and overall such a monumental time in our history as a whole. Because I've studied and I love collecting things from that era, I got the World War II collection and I absolutely love it. With an incredible display and certificate of 100% authenticity, it's truly amazing to hold a piece of history in my hands. They also have items from other periods like the Civil War, the Golden Age of Piracy, Medieval Times, and even coins from ancient Rome. You can get your own World War II collection or one of the other many amazing artifacts by visiting www.historyhoard.com, which I'll link in the show notes, and use the code KENNEDYDYNASTY with no spaces to get 15% off your order. If you're listening to this podcast, then you probably love history. And if you love history, I'm telling you, you have to check this company out. So again, visit www.historyhoard.com, that's historyhoard.com, and use the code Kennedy Dynasty with no spaces to get 15% off. Happy shopping. Okay, so now let's talk a little bit about her personality. According to Modern Kit Kennedy, that's what I'm calling her so that we can differentiate the two, she was idiosyncratically charming. She would call the Duke of Marlborough dookie-wookie and chew her gum walking down the streets of London. Kick also said her aunt dated friends of her brothers, red-blooded American jocks. This was obviously before meeting Billy. And Kathleen had those strong Kennedy athletic genes and played football and loved active things. Overall, she was just super fun, spunky, and a really great catch. So after all this, Kick was always determined to go back to the UK. So after working for the Herald, she chose to help with war efforts and decided to help with the Red Cross in London. She studied up for it at the American University and then went to London on June 25th, 1943. The library says that her official position was the program assistant at Hans Crescent, a club in London that offered food, supplies, and accommodations for officers. When she got there, she and Billy, who was in the British Army at the time, they, of course, reconnected and wanted to get married. But there's a little problem with Billy for the Kennedys. Rose didn't approve because he was Protestant and not Catholic. The modern Kit Kennedy said that marrying outside of the church was probably the worst sin one could commit. It meant living one's life in mortal sin and eventually going to hell. Yeesh. But Kathleen didn't care what they said, and they got married anyway on May 6th of 1944, making her the Marchioness of Hardington. And Joe Jr. was actually the only one from the family to attend the ceremony because he was serving in Britain at the time. Jack was recovering from his PT-109 back injury, and then Bobby was in naval training. Sadly, though, Kick endured a lot of sadness not long after her wedding, with her brother Joe being killed on August 12th of 1944, and then her husband was killed on September 9th of 1944 in combat. They really only got to spend five weeks together after their wedding before he left to fight anyway, so very short and very sad marriage. 
So of course, Kik was devastated, but it didn't take long for her to fall back in love again. Kik, as I said before, had a really popular personality and was really loved in the London social scene. So she started dating William Henry Lawrence Peter Wentworth Fitzwilliam, 8th Earl Fitzwilliam. Try saying that five times fast. He was actually mid-divorce and Protestant. Dun, dun, dun. So this was taking Rose Kennedy way over the edge. She was like, heck no kick, we're going to disown you and not give you any more money if you continue with this man. That's obviously not a direct quote. That was me paraphrasing in modern terms. And in true kick fashion, she didn't care. Well, then Kick finds out that Joe Sr. was headed to Paris, so she decided to meet up with him there and try to convince him that their upcoming marriage was a good thing. On May 13th, 1948, Kick and Lord Fitzwilliam were on a plane on their way to the French Riviera before their visit to Paris to meet up with Joe Sr., when, after going through a severe storm, losing radio signal, they eventually crashed after a series of events in France. It's a really tragic story to read about how the plane went down and everything. So this unfortunately killed Kick, along with Fitzwilliam and the pilot and the navigator. I normally obviously don't use Wikipedia for a source, but I thought this one kind of summarized up the event well. So Wikipedia said that her father was the only family member to attend the funeral arranged by the Cavendishes. Rose Kennedy refused to attend her daughter's memorial service. Instead, it was claimed choosing to enter a hospital for routine medical tests. Rose later said that her daughter's death was God pointing a finger. Which, that's terrible. I do not endorse that belief at all. But also, according to Irish Central, the Kennedy family kept the death quiet due to the scandalous circumstances surrounding Kick's death and because of JFK's burgeoning political career. But her death did take a huge toll on many, and in October of 1957, her parents and siblings dedicated a new physical education building in her honor at Manhattanville College in Purchase, New York. So that's all for today. I hope you learned something new. Make sure to check out my Patreon link in the show notes, along with my recommendation site and the link to my merch shop. Subscribe on YouTube. That will be a thing next week, which is so exciting. And follow me on Instagram at Kennedy Dynasty. Leave a five-star positive written review if you like the podcast, because it helps me so much. And I will talk to you guys soon. Come on and vote for Kennedy. Vote for Kennedy. Keep America strong. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.